from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. We're here in uh, in an off studio in my apartment building. We're in we're in a shared space. I'm not sharing it with anybody other than my guest right now. I'm very excited for tonight's guest. It is Lightning Week here in New York City, so there's a lot of very talented uh, Lightning developers in town. Uh, so I got a slew of interviews uh, set for this week. The first one uh, is one I'm probably most excited for is with Lightning Koala. I'll uh, introduce you all to Lightning Koala. Welcome to the pod. Hello, everybody. I'm <laughs> stoked to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you coming on. So for you freaks that don't know, uh, Lightning Koala is a, a Lightning developer who burst onto the scene earlier this year with his website, satoshis.place, where you could go uh, and use the Lightning work to pay per pixel to draw on this, basically. I like to reference it as like a public graffiti. Yeah, it's like a public toilet graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump into like Satoshi's place, like how did you get into Bitcoin? What's your tale? Uh, I got into Bitcoin around about end of 2013, 2014. Um, just, I, I can't remember exactly what, but the, the, the earliest memory I have was watching Andreas Antonopoulos speaking to the Canadian Senate. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what were you doing at this time? Uh, I was in Portugal. Yeah. So for, for the audience listening, I'm, I'm Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, at the time I was, I was just working remotely as a full stack developer. Yeah. What, uh, what type of systems were you building? Like websites, uh, CMSs? Or? Yeah, web apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a learning application. Mm-hmm. Um, the software was actually uh, serving Chinese customers, and it was kind of like a e-learning application. Okay. What, um, so what interested you in Bitcoin when you first got into it? Was it the tech, the money, uh, the philosophy, sovereignty? Yeah, so I started studying about finance and economics when I was at university. I studied engineering, electronic engineering, uh, so there wasn't much about finance in there, so um, I, I, yeah, I just started reading about it, and uh, probably the, the first thing I started, uh, the first experience trading was with Forex, mm-hmm. uh, and this was just before the uh, financial crash of 2008 happened, and it was pretty eye-opening experience at the time because uh, I remember, so one of the first uh, lessons I learned was from my then manager. I was working at an engineering company doing PCB design mm-hmm. and we used to just like sit down and talk about the, the finance and stocks and, and I remember when uh, the crisis was happening and like things were crashing down I kept asking him, oh, are you panicking? Are you selling? Are you selling? And he said, no, no, I'm buying. <laughs> so it was the first time I, I learned the lesson of buy the dip. Right. Uh, that's, a, that's a good experience. Good time to learn that when it was dipping the hardest it has in, in decades. Yeah. So as the markets were crashing and I, and I saw sort of around 2013, 2014, the bear market, I saw sort of a similar pattern. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started researching Bitcoin, I felt like the fundamentals were really solid, but yet we had a, a downwards trend. And so I started buying Bitcoin and getting more and more into it. And, and yeah, it's rabbit hole basically from then on. <laughs> getting more into it. You're at the point where you're in New York City because you're teaching uh, at Lightning 
Well, you're part of a Lightning Network uh, boot camp at uh, Chainco Labs this week. Uh, so you've obviously studied this a lot and gotten to a point where you know a lot. So how did you get into development on Bitcoin in particular? Did you ever mess around with like protocol level stuff or did you go like right to Lightning? Yeah, the first experience I had with developing on Bitcoin was actually with the 21 computer. Oh, uh, yeah, I have, I, was, I have one upstairs. <laughs> I'm keeping it, so maybe I'll go into a museum one day. That's what I'm thinking, too. I got mine. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, that's sort of like the, f- the first time I, I started playing around with programming with Bitcoin. And um, I never really got into, like, protocol development. But, um, yeah, from then on, it was it was basically... Um, running nodes and just figuring out how security works in in Bitcoin, and um, I, I went through a shitcoin phase as well as most we all people. do. And um, yeah, just eventually, when I saw Lightning, I, I thought, "Wow, this is this is amazing. This is it for for payments, at least." Yeah, was there something about uh, the machine payable web in twenty one? What they were doing, like the concept of that? that yeah, that, that drew you towards it. Yeah. I just wanted to get my hands dirty, I think. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really, uh, yeah, didn't think anything in particular about machine-to-machine payments, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, uh, let's take like a step even further back. Like, how'd you get into, it seems like you're trading Forex, you're doing development. Like, what was your upbringing? What did you study? Did you go to, did you go to university? Did you, were you like a computer nerd growing up or more finance economics based yeah i was a computer nerd yeah. growing up um played a lot of games actually yeah um so i, I grew up in in asia uh and um games were very uh, accessible there was like pirated games everywhere so my childhood was pretty much um i remember like going out and just choosing any game i wanted for a dollar and like um yeah and and then when I, I remember when i moved to back to portugal one of the things that the school kids uh were like oh uh no way there's this like disc that you can put on a nintendo like a disc reader no it's just cartridges and i'm like no 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 there's these discs that you can just rip games <laughs> off of <laughs> i had a modded P- playstation at one point in my life <laughs> it's a true fact north northeast philadelphia christmas has come with modded uh modded playstations <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so when I, like, you got in the gaming, and then um, what? Uh, like, how does the development in the world that you were in before you got into Bitcoin compare to like what you're doing on Lightning right now? Um, and just to let mm. you know, like Lightning is still like a bit of a mystery to me. It's something I haven't taken like the deepest dive in. I've always mm. just conceptually makes sense like to push things to a second layer. Yeah, I plan on really experimenting with Lightning when I get my Casa node in a couple of weeks here. Oh wow, you ordered one? Yeah, I did. So I'm gonna try and that's, that's gonna awesome. Be, I'm gonna try and jump into the deep end with that thing. That's really uh, awesome. I was talking about that to Pierre today, actually. Yeah. Uh, just asking if he ordered one as well, because I, I I didn't well I didn't get a chance to order one, but also I have my own uh, node at home from a single board computer. So yeah, I saw uh, I saw you retweeted something about a Raspberry Blitz, which is they're trying to do like a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, node as well. Yeah, so it's a open source project just showing how to set up your own Raspberry Pi node mm-hmm. for Lightning, and it's just it's really useful if you if you don't know much about like command line stuff and and just kind of it's like a step-by-step guide yeah for it 
No, that's what I'm looking forward uh, with Casa as well because it seems like they have a very, very sleek onboarding process. Yeah. So that's like one of the biggest problems is like setting up, running, and keeping these nodes running. Uh, so yeah. I guess that's a good segue to go into like what are like the biggest obstacles that Lightning has right now, and as a developer, what's like been the hardest part of building on Lightning? What's improved since you built Satoshi's place? Yeah. So UX is sort of the angle where I'm coming from because most of my experience as a software developer has been a, in front end uh, and back end work, but mostly front end. I've kind of specialized in like React and React Native stuff, and um, I kind of like that intersection of uh, users and interfaces. Mm -hmm. And so with Lightning, there's a ton <laughs> to do. I mean, uh, we have, I don't think we're in a year into the first implementations that are out, and um, despite the, the amount of development and interest that we've seen, I think there's still a lot uh, to be done. Um, with Satoshi's place in specific, my aim was to um, basically be the answer to the question that most people will probably have the first time that they install a node or a wallet, which is, uh, how can I test this and mm -hmm. can I see it working, basically? So the reason a pixel costs one Satoshi and it will always cost one Satoshi is simply uh, so it's the cheapest thing that somebody can just go on and try it and see that, yeah, it works. Yeah, and are you making any money from this? or? Um, not that much, a little bit, but yeah. I lost most of it in a boating accident. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear about that boating accident. You gotta be careful mm. when you're boating. Uh, never, yeah. never drink in boat, people. It's wavy and just <laughs> drinking on a boat, it's, just, it's not good. So, um, yeah, so you said lightning, it's still very early. Like how early are we, uh, what needs to happen? Like what are the biggest obstacles that lightning has to overcome? Uh, um, there's a lot of protocol development that still needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, backups, mm -hmm. this is like a huge one. We, today at the lightning residency, we were, um, talking about a lot of these different things that, um, need to, need to happen. Backups is, is a really big one. Um, like clients are probably another one. Um, Isn't that big news this week or last week for that was Neutrina just launched, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, also other things like the uh, the way the penalty system works right now. So what's the penalty system? Uh, so if uh, a peer tries to broadcast a previous uh, transaction uh, or previous state of a channel, uh, in order to try and steal your funds mm -hmm. and you detect that, then you uh, basically get to punish him and take all of the funds. But this plays into the backup problem where um, sometimes you don't do that by mistake. Uh, you, your node goes down for some reason, mm -hmm. you come back up or you, uh, your data gets corrupted and you need to restore things, but you don't have the latest state. And as soon as you broadcast uh, an old state, then uh, the other person might take those funds. And you sort of have to ask them for it back, or you might not even know who they are. Um, yeah, well, it, it's, the game theory is just not in, in your favor, basically. Yeah. And so uh, there's solutions proposed for that. Uh, one of them is called L2 mm -hmm. uh, by Christian Decker, and uh, I can't remember his name now. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, it's just basically a, a different way to, const uh, to construct the... Uh, the way the transactions work in 
uh, enlightening so that um yeah that basically doesn't happen and yeah. some other things like fees for example so right now um you need to commit to a certain fee for the closing transaction mm-hmm. uh and you can't change that so uh you know if transaction fees on bitcoin spike then that's a problem um and so with l2 and sighash input uh sighash no input uh you can basically bind to bind it in a different way so that it doesn't you can basically change the fee and change the way the the transactions are you couldn't do like I'm by no means an expert on this but <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do like a replace by fee uh sort of like that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah interesting yeah it's crazy how how intricate these systems are getting yeah um, it's, it's amazing and then i know you're working on the front end but just from a scaling perspective like i'm a big believer of you may know that like we need to scale this in layers and lightning as a second layer makes a lot of sense so like what type of things do you see it enabling as an app developer what type of apps are being built <clears throat> at the hackathons around the world it's crazy how many like lightning the uh yeah. colmo colmo fomo fomo yeah. um lightning hackathons there's one this weekend here in new york so yeah fomo is actually one of the first people to draw on satoshi's place yeah and i haven't met him yet hopefully this this saturday he's hosting one here that, that one in new york uh but the uh applications that it will enable so part of my talks this week will be about uh, lightning powered games mm-hmm. um so i see some applications there uh machine to machine api payments basically what 21 was trying to do is i believe now possible with uh with lightning and um so i i think there's a kind of beautiful irony to um the way that uh adam backs hash cash proof of work stuff came to be used um in bitcoin uh, so satoshi decided to use proof of work mm-hmm. um uh, but you know the the origins of, of proof of work was to uh, solve email spam mm-hmm. uh because we didn't have a digital native currency uh well now we do and now we've found a way to realistically scale it and now we have the possibility to do microtransactions on on a digitally native currency and i think that's incredibly powerful uh satoshi's place in some ways is sort of like ddos protected because of this uh fact that you have to pay like one satoshi per pixel mm-hmm. if you think about it like how else would you do it like if you didn't have micropayments in this game like people would just end up spamming it and uh it would probably look worse than than what it <laughs> we're seeing it now somebody put a shepherd ferry up there the obey posters oh, yeah. up there i like that um yeah. no but it's crazy to see what this is enabling and and uh Another huge theme of, of Tales from the Crypt and Rabbit Hole Recap the last month has been patience and the fact that a lot of these apps that are getting built out now were once ideas that somebody launched a token to fulfill because Bitcoin had a perceived uh, shortcoming. That, yeah. that Nick, Nick, Nick Carter has the fun dice. <laughs> right? I got them up. Yeah, I got you the got fun dice upstairs. Yeah. Um, should play a game. <laughs> But uh, that's why we got to make a drinking game with the FUD dice. That's actually, this is a call to action for all the freaks and uh, crypto <laughs> Twitter people out there. We need to come up with a formal drinking game for the FUD dice. 
The so bounty like is out there. Cards against humanity with FUD dice. Some, yeah, there's an idea there. There's an idea. There's, there's a starting point. The dice are a starting point. We just need to to uh, move from the dice to, to a drinking game. Yeah, and Bitcoiners are really receptive to this kind of merchandise slash yeah. uh, uh, Bitcoin culture related stuff. Memeware. So. Memeware, like memeware, that. yeah. It's uh, some qual memeware. Next, next, producing with the dice. He said there's a there's a supply cap, but I have a feeling that he's got a neg on that supply cap. He's known to do Inflationist. that with all those pro- all of his products, specifically his podcast appearance. But we all know too well about that. Um, but the point I was getting at is like Lightning is proving Lightning, and now uh, what Blockstream launched two weeks it was two weeks ago now or last week I can't even remember Liquid. Yeah. Uh, sort of proving that Bitcoin can enable all these use cases. It's just going to be done on different layers in different ways. So that's actually what's interesting to see right now is Liquid and Lightning running in parallel sort of prove two different ways you can t- attempt to scale. Maybe yeah. one will be successful, the other won't. Maybe they both will be. Maybe they'll both fail. Who knows? But they're they are attempting to yeah. to drive the, the issue forward. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah. People need patience, but also <laughs> um, perseverance in in the development work that's that's being done. And um, I think I think the way Bitcoin is is headed is extremely promising. The 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 if you reason about like why um, we need a stable base chain. Um, and from there you can scale on on second layers and third layers and so forth like that uh, in it makes sense in engineering terms it, it makes sense mm-hmm. um so, yeah. so so you said you dabbled in shit coins for a while what uh <laughs> what drew your allure like what um what interested you um, did you have these like the the fud dice uh, mentality. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I this, the full disclaimer. I I participated in the DAO. <laughs> should be a sticker for my car. <laughs> you should get a badge of honor for that. Yeah. A merit um, badge. I, I participated in the DAO. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- what interested me? I I don't know. Just curiosity. I I think um, it's unfair to to. Th- um, s- sort of look at people. It's unfair to 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 look at people and and assume that uh, you know they haven't gone through the rabbit hole experience. Um, it's just the, the the there's so many different ways people can reason about this this new technology. It's just like somebody described it once as like um, a new metal that just landed from an asteroid and we just kind of pick it up and we look at it and we we can't really understand what it is but it's got these amazing properties like you can mm-hmm. yeah and um uh what was i talking about um yeah so shit coins shit coins yeah <laughs> not not faulting people for not going through the cycle fast enough yeah or something like yeah that. and and smart contracts and all that stuff and um right and and so when you um uh, i just think a lot of people go through this journey and um we might be at different stages and we might end up in different places but it's kind of i just like to give people the benefit of the doubt basically. yeah no i do as well and it's interesting uh especially during the depths of this bear market to see how uh 
feels like everybody's starving and backed into a corner and lashing out. You, you, you see Bitcoin, Bitcoiners turning on each other. Bitcoiners turning oh, yeah. on all corners. All, all corners turning on each other. Yeah. Um, the, the stakes and guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Co- who was calling that out? Co- somebody was calling out. Somebody took a picture of uh, a breakfast. It was adorned with uh, meats, some bread. I think there were some carbs on the table. Actually, it was anti anti carnivore uh, guns and like hardware wallets, and uh, people are trying to attribute that to like Bitcoin, the Bitcoin mentality. Yeah, uh, which is not everybody's like that, but it's a funny meme. That's the other thing people don't realize. Yeah, that, that was posted in jest to, to sort of trigger people, and it did. Crypto creator Twitter is is amazing, but sometimes it um, it just it's like a sliver of what what's out there exactly it's easy to get lost in in um, random rants and and memes but then you start seeing people in in these meetups and and talks and you realize wow there's like a lot going on behind the scenes so let's talk about that do you travel a lot of meetups a lot of talks or not so much um i work remotely most of the time Mm -hmm. so um this year was probably the year where I I got got a lot more exposure to to Bitcoin conferences and meetups. Uh, yeah. I have been to to other meetups before in the past, uh, but probably the the best one I've been so far was um, Building on Bitcoin in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible to see the amount of talent in the room and and everybody just um, talking about. Uh, how to improve this network, how to build on it, how to, um, and, and not, not kind of like getting lost in pitching things to mm-hmm. each other. It was, no, it's, refreshing. uh, had a similar experience in Latvia, uh, in Riga. Oh yeah. You went to that. Yeah, at the Baltic cool. honey badger. That's what I wrote about it in the newsletter. I said, it had like a revolutionary feel where like outside the talks when it was like coffee yeah. breaks, everybody was outside and they're, it's very, genuinely having open conversations feeling out like the attack vectors and oh. how to protect bitcoin going it was yeah it had this very like uh like everybody felt responsibility for yeah. arbor arbitrating the network uh, into the future and it's it's a very mission driven movement it feels like people mm. are very passionately uh like into bitcoin for for very ideological reasons yeah yeah 2018 is a pretty good year for for meetups and conferences i feel like a vintage year perhaps <laughs> yeah <laughs> why do you say that uh just like it seems like you had a good experience at latvia and like um lisbon was really good um you got a residency in new york now but um a bunch of other people were were i i, I watched some some videos from tone vase and i see he's been like to a lot of different places as well except for the blockchain cruise that was a bit um, <laughs> Let's talk about the blockchain cruise. We haven't talked about the blockchain sh- cruise on this uh, on this podcast. I'm yet. not an expert on blockchain cruises. Neither am I, but I, I saw some videos. It just looks bad all around. Yeah, um, I, I just I, I couldn't see why like Jimmy Song and and Tone Vase wanted to to go there. I I just I don't know. When I heard about blockchain cruise and I saw the the guest list, I just thought, wow, that's an explosive mix of people. Yeah, on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean. Cruises in general just do not appease me at all. No, I'd rather 
what would I rather do than go on a cruise? That's a good question. I think I'd rather do like homework for a week than go on a cruise <laughs> as a 20, 27 year old man. <laughs> I'd really would not like to go on a cruise. Number one, number two, Watch to be subjected try. while on the cruise to debates about cryptocurrency, specifically mm-hmm. Bitcoin versus Bitcoin cash. Did you see how much it cost? No, I did not. It was probably luckily expensive. Yeah. It was up in the thousands. <laughs> Just thought, wow. <laughs> could do so much with that money. <laughs> you, can buy, you can buy a good amount of Bitcoin with that money. You know? Yeah, and, and that area of Europe is so beautiful. Uh, my my fiance is from Italy, and we like travel a lot around that area in Sicily and Sardinia and stuff. Like, it's why why would you <laughs> why would you <laughs> subject yourself to being stuck on a boat yeah. for two weeks or a week, yeah. whatever it was? But respect respect for for them to to kind of like stand up on stage and and confront the the mob. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's one thing uh, I've been going back and forth with lately. Is do we? I think we're at a point where we don't even have to like respond to the mob because it's been responded to so many times. I think so as well. It's like Satoshi said: if you if you don't understand, uh, I don't have time. I don't have time to to fill you in. Um, I agree. I I think don't feed the troll. Don't feed the troll. uh, And the markets are proving that this path has been right up to this point. yeah, and there's so much other constructive stuff to focus on and, and build. And the thing is, I, I kind of understand the the because there's a lot of dece- sort of, what's it, deception, uh, mm-hmm. and I can I can understand that for uh, newcomers, uh, it's going to be really hard to navigate. Yeah, very confusing. And Especially yeah, like, you Google Bitcoin. Right. Bitcoin.com is like the first. Right. It's got the best SEO. Yeah. Um, and you read it, and it's like it's Bitcoin, and it's Bitcoin Cash. It's, yeah. And then, well, what is it then? You know. It, um, so yeah, I, I understand like why some people will take it upon themselves to try and clear the muddy waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I re- respect that. Um, as an engineer, it's not something that I necessarily think I would enjoy being involved in. I'd just rather focus on, on building it, stuff. Leave it to us ship pastors. We'll take care of that for you. <laughs> yeah, Marty, you got our you got our back, Marty. Do it. <laughs> no, that's actually one thing I wrote about today, which um is uh is how how we should market and pitch Bitcoin to the overwhelming public who's not really adept to what Bitcoin is and isn't really interested in uh let me pull this up. I wanna give correct attribution um i wrote about in the newsletter today this guy willem willem vandenberg mm-hmm. seen him vandenberg uh he basically posted a thread saying if we were to believe that bitcoin is going to follow the nick zabian path uh to becoming money which is something moves from a collectible to a store value to medium of exchange to unit mm-hmm. of account it's going to take time, and if we're being honest with ourselves, Bitcoin right now is still in the collectible phase, and marketing as marketing it, it as a viable medium of exchange doesn't do us any favors uh, because you're sort of uh, over-promising and under-delivering because Bitcoin at the protocol level is certainly not a good medium of exchange. you got 10-minute block times, fees, uh, uh, a float fluctuation mm-hmm. of the price. Um, so marketing it as a collectible that could potentially become a medium of exchange if it gets enough value to saturate uh, to where it become viable and you have second layers that are fully functional and built out, yeah. then yes, it makes sense. So maybe we should be under-promising and over-deliver, yeah. over-delivering in the future. 
I feel like the the store of value stuff is, is coming along pretty well. Yeah. Um, it depends where you are, really, where in the world you are. I mean, mm-hmm. I I grew up in 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 Asia, and and I travel a lot around Southeast Asia, and I I can really see how like in a lot of situations, for some people in particular, you know, putting savings into Bitcoin, even if it's volatile. I mean. Savings are is sort of like a long-term thing, right? You shouldn't be thinking about storing value in Bitcoin for the next year. It should be like 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, even longer, right? Mm-hmm. F- and for that purpose, it's good. It's retained its purchasing fa- value and it's even gone up. Uh, but it's kind of, I, I see those, the, yeah, the collectible definitely, like the, the bootstrapping stage, uh, the the Bitcoin, sorry, the, the store value uh, it, these are all things to me that are going to grow uh, until eventually we hit unit of account. Yeah. Uh, but um, and, and this is where I see Lightning actually playing a really big role in the medium of exchange part. So some of the stuff that I've been exploring is um, thinking about how you can use Lightning to um, build and implement use cases which aren't really possible with the existing uh, financial world that we have, right? And <clears throat> because, you know, using it for merchants, like um, brick and mortar shops and, and even e-commerce, mm-hmm. uh, it's fine, it's good, but it's not that 10x improvement, right? Yeah. And, and for most people in, in the West, at least, uh, you know, we have contactless payments, at least, I don't know about the US actually, but in, in the UK, you know, you, you can travel by bus, by train. You can pay for for stuff for your shopping. It's Just not ubiquitous, but it exists here. Yeah, and 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 so and most people are comfortable with that. That's a good experience. Uh, and if you're challenging that with uh, Bitcoin or Lightning, you need to you need to see. Okay, is this a 10x improvement? Because otherwise, people aren't going to move over. Right. Exactly. It's the same as saying like, uh, you know, I'm gonna give you a phone and unless it's 10x improvement which they usually are right because um every two years for example they they get way better or an internet somebody shows you a new internet and they say hey use this instead you're like well is it that much better than what i'm using right now like mastodon for example this maybe i shouldn't talk about that because i haven't tried it but but anyway so the way i try to frame it is like okay well um what can you come what, what can you build that is that 10x mm-hmm. and um, you can't do it with with the existing means and which will actually make people think wow that's cool I want to use that mm-hmm. and so shit I need to use lightning to okay I'm gonna learn about it because I want to use that right and and so uh, this is why I, I'm exploring uh, this idea of lightning games because I think um, yeah there's, there's a lot of potential use cases there how so? What what type of use cases? Like, what is the 10x improvement in gaming? Yeah, so uh, this is actually the subject of my of my last talk this week, and I sh- should really pull up my slides. But <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, um, I I started by um, looking at um, how do games use money nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, and if 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 you think about it, like um, you can purchase games, you can purchase in app. Uh, items, uh, in-game currencies, uh, you can gamble, uh, 
And uh, the first couple examples are usually like unidirectional, right? So you, you're paying to consume something. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, you don't, you don't have a game of like Call of Duty and then somewhere in the middle you, you earn money, right? Unless it's a tournament or something like that. Uh, with gambling, there's some more use cases where there's this bidirectional thing. You know, you, you put in money, you play a game of poker, and then you pull it out. Uh, so um, with Lightning, I think it's a bit of um, uh, regulatory arbitrage in the sense that mm-hmm. it just creates this opportunity for anybody to just pop in and out of a game. Uh, and and so what does that mean? Well. That means that we can actually perhaps think of games uh, to wage bets on, which are not necessarily casino-style chance games. Mm-hmm. It might be a game of like Bomberman or Battleships or chess or Smash, or something like that. Yeah, Smash, right? Mm-hmm. And and if you think about that in in small quantities between groups of friends, it's kind of interesting because you can imagine just sitting around with a group of like four friends and you just decide to whip up this game and you just wager a bet for like beer money, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember doing that in college. We used to do that, but we would do it with like college football games. We'd have like prop bets, like in game. Exactly. With like yeah. a, with singles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea here is, is the game itself can, uh, can be like a computer game, like a street fighter game or something. Hell yeah. I like that. So what, uh, what are like the first iterations that are that are coming out? Or are there any? Um, uh, there, there are uh, Lightning Network Power games out there now. Um, uh, some of them, some of like there's a roulette game, right? I know there's, yeah, there's yeah. a roulette game. There's Lightning Spin, uh, mm-hmm. made by Hugoms um, from the Open Node team, and actually Lightning uh, Spin, maybe roulette. I, I don't know roulette, but. Um, Lightning Spin is one of the examples where you have the bi-directional thing, but it's still a uh, chance game. Okay. Right? Provably fair, it's, it's an interesting application, uh, but I want to push that further. I, I haven't seen the, the, um, the kind of uh, you know, Street Fighter or, or something yeah. game. That's actually how Satoshi's Place began. Like, the idea of Satoshi's Place actually started um, with um, making something like a, a Street Fighter game where like, if you punch somebody, it would be a micropayment to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting because you're coming at this. Uh, so, the like counterparty Ethereum crew would come at gaming from a uh, like a non fungible sort of skin type angle, and you're coming from it from a purely like spectator slash gambling angle, which is completely different than the yeah. other the other way that people are attacking gambling via or excuse me gaming via crypto yeah that's that's a really good observation because um right now there's actually uh, a trend in the blockchain world uh mm-hmm. of like nfts non-fungible tokens and um uh you know it's revolving around the idea that oh you can own some crypto assets uh, i guess crypto kitties was what kind of brought that into the mainstream I would say Rare Pepe's on Counterparty was yeah. the original right? yeah, yeah 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 definitely shout out Joe Looney and crew yeah yeah exactly so the idea has been around for a while and um, actually Mandel Duck uh, this his Twitter handle he um, he's out in Japan and he he works or he has worked with Counterparty uh, based games he's mm-hmm. actually like built stuff uh, that use this concept um, but you're right. It, I, I'm not approaching this as uh, oh, there's some kind of digital thing that I own because 
uh, I see some issues there, and but I'm rather like looking at the the you know this is an amazing payment rail. Yeah, as the incentive, like the humans will be driven to gamble because they're addicted to gambling. At least yeah. the subsect of us. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I see it more as a casual like people having fun, like just you know a couple of like I said, like a couple of friends just whip up a game go hey guys like i bet i'll kick your ass in this game and by the way whoever wins pays uh, a round of beer i can definitely see you deal around i can definitely see me and my friends doing yeah. something like that um i got a few bitcoiner friends too so this might be possible if this cool. ever gets uh specked out awesome. um going back to nfts though non-fungible tokens what are your knocks on them or your uh, apprehensions <laughs> okay so uh they're they're i've got two main gripes with it uh, the first one is uh the idea of scarcity uh but we can talk a little bit more about that i guess but the, the other main problem i have is um so one of the things i, I try to break down in, in my talk is um you know when you play a game of uh like a board game like sellers of Catan or, or monopoly whatever mm-hmm. you're between friends and you generally trust each other that you're not going to like cheat right and uh in a case of monopoly like even one of your friends might be the banker mm-hmm. and you trust that he's not going to cheat unless mm-hmm. he's your brother or <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> right but generally speaking that's that's sort of the setup but when you bring that game uh into an online setting um and even in the real world when we have like a, a boxing match or, or the recent like uh, MMA, MMA fight. yeah, right. You need a referee there that uh, controls the rules of the game, make sure that people aren't cheating, and uh, it ultimately dictates the outcome of the match, right? So, um, and and multiplayer games online, they they have the same architecture. You have a centralized server, let's say, to which all clients connect to, and that server is basically is known as the authoritative server and that basically uh runs a simulation of the game so all the clients are just basically playing the game but they're they're um uh sorry they're syncing their state to the authoritative server mm-hmm. and and so what does this mean this means that you you need to kind of trust that arbiter right and that referee and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that it's sort of in the referee's uh, interest and in the tournament organizer, or whatever, that that the rules are obeyed and you create a good competitive environment, so so forth. Uh, so m- my problem with these NFT token stuff is that yeah, you can create these things that are supposedly scarce. Scarce. We can talk about that more a bit later. But the problem is then what what do you do with them, right? You're going to play a game, okay? Most of these are going to be like a trading card game and there's going to be rules about mana and strength and whatever. But who dictates those rules, right? And Mm -hmm. can you trust that person? And, uh, well, if if you have to trust that person, then what's the point in in making the the non-fungible token in the first place? Wasn't this, so, uh, this is something that Andrew uh, DeSantis raves on about a lot about. It was Star Wars Galaxy. Was that the, uh, yeah, Star Wars Galaxy Heroes. They did something like this where um, they were like a very open source community game, like sort of run by the community. And at one point, the, the central authorities of the game sort of fucked up the whole incentives yeah. and, and yeah. really screwed over the people who had sunk a lot of time and effort into attaining certain levels of Jedi yeah. mastery, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Uh, and they changed the rules overnight and it really 
yeah. made it so people who did not have to expend that amount of time were able to catch up quicker. So it sort of destroyed the whole incentive system of, of the game. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's basically my, my concern. And you could argue that, yeah, but, you know, I'm going to keep it and I only uh, surrender custody for that brief moment where the game rules are played, right? But then how do you guarantee the game rules are being um, played correctly? And then, yeah, the scarcity thing is another issue. Well, well Sir Koala, they're going to be decentralized, all right? You're going to be able to you're going to be able to decentralize these games and everything's going to be decentralized. And the fact that it's decentralized means that it's provably like scarce and <laughs> it makes sense. Don't worry. It makes sense right. at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, I, have you run a, an Ethereum note? <laughs> I have not tried. Right. Yeah. It's have just, you this, tried? Yeah. <laughs> How recently? Uh, like a year and a half ago. And then recently when I was working at a company, we had a lot of issues with running Ethereum nodes, eventually having to like fall back to Inferia and stuff. But what the, what type of implementation were you trying to spin up? Uh, I can't remember. I wasn't responsible for the infrastructure uh, of that stuff. But that, that that's the to me that's sort of where the um, the line breaks with the scarcity stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, if you can't guarantee scarcity for the next couple of years. 5, 10, 15, then what are you doing this in the first place? At what level? At the level where, you know, the network becomes centralized to the point where another DAO bailout happens, right? Mm -hmm. or, or something like that. So you're not even saying, like, centralization of, like, non-fungible tokens. You're saying centralization of Ethereum. Yeah, but that's, that's the problem, right? Because the tokens are built on top of the yeah. of that network. So it's not that I don't believe in the concept of digital scarcity uh obviously i do because of bitcoin but in the idea of building tokens that's also feasible uh it's just that you know again this has been done in bitcoin in counterparty it didn't necessarily work out it can be done uh, with liquid now yeah uh maybe uh I, i'm not sure you'd have prob probably have to create a federation of like gamers and stuff mm -hmm. G gamer game developers or game publishers something like that i'm not sure how that would look like. Uh, even with Lightning, um, uh, Giacomo, Zumo, uh, uh, Zuko? Zumo? Zuko. Zuko. And yeah, he, he's uh, made this proposal of RGB. That's mm -hmm. uh, the idea of making tokens on, on Lightning. But uh, the, the, it's not, it's, it's not quite there yet. And it, basically, I think the issue here is pulling the cart before the horse to me. Exactly, and and I'd rather focus my energy on on the payment stuff than this pie in the sky thing. Uh, I could be wrong, uh, but yeah, that's sort of the, 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 when I try to reason about it, I can't come up with a conclusion that tells me, yeah, this makes sense. Right? No, and I think you just made a great point there. Like a lot of these projects are putting the cart before the horse, and that's what I think a lot of people have a knock on Bitcoin. I mean, that's been in the the head or it's been a big topic the last week in particular is Bitcoin maximalism has been getting dumped on pretty hard. People think, uh, we're, I don't know. I don't want to speak for me. Um, I would consider myself a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, people think Bitcoin maximalism in general is very dogmatic and, and, uh, anti-competitive where it's not, it's very descriptive. It's like, Hey, this works. We want it to, to work into the future. We, 
at least I do, try to move from a first principle stance where like you want to make sure everything works correctly and start from its core and work out. Like, yes, you can make really cool tokens on top of Ethereum that's pushed on top of so much obscurity and uh, basically unknown future developments that I'm not willing to risk my money on that protocol. Like that's a non-starter for me. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that there's these first principles where Bitcoiners will just say, all right, if you don't check these boxes, it is not worth my time to pay attention to. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think the, the application of money is so <laughs> crucial and like we talk about the, the cantillion effect on, on inflation. Uh, but if you think about like the cantillion of effect of Can you, solving the, the money problem, what is the cantillion effect? It's like, um, the description, when you, the way to describe when, um, you inflate the money, monetary supply, mm-hmm. uh, and the first people who benefit from that are the closest oh, yeah, to yeah. that. And then the ones towards the end, um, yeah. And, and, but in that sense, you know, it's kind of like, um, maybe it's not a good way to describe it, but, uh, it's kind of, it's a small change. It's a small fix to, to solve uh, this this thing about uh, a non-sovereign money, which um, uh, you can't change the supply of. Like if we if we fix that, <laughs> like the second, third, fourth order effects are going to be insane in in society. I think, uh, and and so to kind of get distracted with all this other stuff is in i think in 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 the broad um sense like it's, it's just gonna seem so stupid right yeah all right so. i think we're uh, we're taking a cosmic turn here <laughs> so like how how drastic do you think uh, bitcoin can change society um and like i know you've played the thought experiments in your mind like what's your like most optimistic view of bitcoin and how it changes society and what changes do you want to see um, I don't know if I can answer that question. Uh, I think. Uh, have you read the? You've read the Sovereign Individual. I think. In fact, I think I, I read it because I listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> read it. Um, Love yeah, it. I, I talk about it often. I talked about it like three times this week already. Yeah, sure. the thing I liked about it was sort of, it, to me, it it helped me uh, answer like why why are things, uh, why did balance of power. Uh, happened this way and and the the way it describes like the balance of um uh violence the ability to to leverage a violence right yeah uh to me that was a really good way to see things right to understand like you know why why we human uh, uh human civilizations have evolved to this point and so um uh yeah i, I think bitcoin changes that uh, balance of power uh, dramatically like it, the same way that the internet changed the balance of power of communication and um, dissemination of information I think Bitcoin is sort of also like massive um, yeah like revolution in, in, in the way that value is is uh, stored and transferred and um, the effects of that I, I don't know I don't know what the effects are, but it's almost like, does it matter what my opinion is? It's like a moving train. Like I, I the way the conclusion I have is just like, I, it's, it's the gears are are moving, and you're not gonna be able to stop it. And um, it's gonna be big. Is it gonna be good? I don't know. I hope so. But yeah, 
I got a couple of things to piggyback on with this. Like one, uh, so the sovereign, well, we're going to riff on the sovereign individual here for a little bit. So the sovereign individual talks about 500 year super cycles in particular yeah. uh, that are based on inflection points that are precipitated with technological advancement. And the fact that we have, and again, like I've been thinking about this more recently, the inflection point that we're born in, in particular, like we have two technologies, not just like one. So we have the internet and uh, I mean, yeah, we probably wouldn't have Bitcoin without the internet, but we have the internet, which is distributing, decentralizing and making information widely available. Then we have Bitcoin, which is distributed money and decentralizing money and making money very sovereign. And the fact that you have those two, and cryptography as well. Crypto- right? Yeah, cryptography yeah. ties in with it as well. The fact that you have all these crazy innovations happening at once, like the amount of change that we are experiencing in our life is going to be so profound. Yeah. We can't even comprehend it, like at a chemical level. Like we don't, we have never experienced the rate of change that we are going through right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's heady, man. It's a simulation. <laughs> is it? Like we're getting closer and closer, it seems like. This tweet deck looks like yeah. the uh, the Matrix thing, where it's just like, like falling down. It's like the event horizon. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> but the 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 empowerment of being able to uh, transact directly with other people without asking for permission. It's like I was talking about this uh, to somebody at the Lightning residency today. It's like we're talking about like creating cu- custodial like third party custody solutions for Lightning stuff you know because you know aids adoption and it's easier to reason about and stuff and i'm like no 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 open source it make it like available to everybody like i want a kid in in bangladesh to run his own nodes and be not only his own bank but his own payment processor for his village or or school and once you like break the hydra into into these like million heads it's like uh, it's like impossible to stop basically yeah. so that's why I like what like btc pay servers doing yeah open sourcing yeah. that those like, guys yeah they're just doing amazing amazing work um, um but sticking on the sovereign individual another thing like you said which i really appreciate you said is like this stuff is inevitable it's it was predicted it if you <laughs> if you take the time to sit down and think about like the, tra- the trajectory of this technology it's inevitable. Like they, and literally on page 25 of the sovereign individual, they predicted Bitcoin almost word yeah. for word, like almost word for word. Right? Yeah. Decentralized, uh, non-sovereign money run on the internet that no one controls. It is run by algorithms and yeah. is secure with cryptography. Pretty much yeah. word for word, had no idea it was coming and it's here now. And like you said, it, it, it is a better technology. It is inevitable. It is going to keep proliferating and, yeah hopefully be ubiquitous one day most likely be ubiquitous because it's just a a natural progression of the uh technology that is money um so it's it's for me at this point it's i've recognized that reality and that future and it's just adapting and making your life as Mm -hmm. as friendly and uh and yeah. and Bitcoin friendly as possible. As well. Yeah, it's almost like when when society realized that you can get more productivity out of people if they're happy and uh, you know uh, private property rights and and so forth, and you can build a society that can innovate rather than you know whip them into work. Right? Yeah. We, we were see- we've seen that, and and so Bitcoin is I think the next level of that where 
just makes it even more possible to um, to be part of this network uh, that can just go peer to peer, right? Without somebody being able to dictate what to do, um, and and so. I see it like as perhaps uh, it will trigger another order of magnitude of efficiency uh, in, like, yeah, in human societies. Yeah, one thing that's interesting, and I think you can actually bring some clarity to it. what's interesting about Bitcoin in particular, since it's a global distributed uh, phenomena, you're seeing, especially when it comes to like... Uh, the interaction of miners, developers, users. Um, there's, there's, I don't want to say a culture clash, but there's definitely some friction between like, especially with the mining and the scaling debates with like East and West. And we, this is like, this might be the first truly global project where it's truly individual plebs uh, coordinating together to build. And there are some like cultural differences. So like growing up in Asia uh, and then exp- uh, and Portugal, so you've experienced the Western and Eastern world. Uh, do you do you notice that at all? And do you think do you see Bitcoin sort of building bridges between uh, these societies, which haven't haven't been very, I mean, cooperative, very cooperative up to this point, but could be more cooperative going forward. Yeah, yeah, I do. Same yeah. way, like like um, uh, flights, airplanes, like cheap. Cheap flight, like in Europe, we have uh, the Erasmus project, where uh, students from con- uh, a country will like spend a semester or a year abroad. And there was some st- statistic; I can't remember the numbers off my head, but not off my head, but it was like the number of children born from couples that uh, came from this that met that yeah, yeah. Erasmus couples, and uh, yeah, like it, it, you know. Europe is in a weird situation now with Brexit and some like uh, nationalist movements and stuff. But I feel like the younger generation, they're so much more aware of our neighbors. And, um, and that's good. That's a, that's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bitcoin enables that in a, in a similar way. Um, uh, I don't know if I can say that much about China because the place I, w- I lived in was kind of in its own niche. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the the um, the what's what's the um, uh, the mining facilities that um, are being are leveraging or arbitraging uh, malinvestment in like power plants that you know have this surplus energy. Uh, well, I call it malinvestment. Technically, it might not be because Bitcoin serves as a good way to kind of store that value and mm-hmm. um, absorb. Um, that that surplus energy, uh, which is a good thing, we want that. We want good, cheap, renewable sources of energy, right? But um, yeah, it's it's interesting the way that plays out. I, I don't think it answers your question though. But for example, the, that story about uh, university students uh, mining because electricity is part of mm-hmm. the the rent. They don't have to pay. For, they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. So so I think that's where it like starts chipping away. Um, but yeah, it's a peer-to-peer protocol, um, sorry, peer-to-peer network, and, and yeah. No, I think the uh, the crux of what I was trying to get get at with that question in particular is like this might be like the first like global project where people are coordinating. I mean, what? 
It's actually, I don't want to say the that. internet was, was the internet, yeah, yeah, in general. Like playing games when I was growing up. One of, I'm gonna give a shout out to this game now. Uh, one of the games that I played a lot when I was a kid was called Subspace, and uh, it was made by Virgin Media, and it was this uh, almost like Space Invaders sort of thing, uh, spaceships, and you basically like just it was multiplayer online. One of the first like massive multiplayer games. So you'd be in, like in an arena with like a hundred people like battling these ships and stuff, and it was in the late '90s. So um, back then, uh, it, it, I, I was living in this in this uh, really small like, enclave in in China, and most of the people I played with were, were Americans and Canadians and people from Europe. And it was the first time I had this kind of exposure to to people, um, you know. Uh, from abroad and, and shit talking you online yeah <laughs> <laughs> noob uh, yeah uh, and yeah the, the the slogan of the game was uh, meet people from all over the world then kill them <laughs> that's incredible yeah no that was incredibly ignorant of me to be like bitcoin's the first time there's ever been anything on a global scale but i think as time goes on and decentralized and open source technologies become more ubiquitous and more popular and more uh, palatable and they're actually like the go-to preference they're preferred to closed source solutions that it is bringing the world together slowly but surely and maybe Bitcoin the uh, open source attempt to build possibly the biggest app ever which is money can bring the world together in a way that hasn't happened before. Yeah, that's pretty uh, crazy because, look, you can travel somewhere in the world and if you happen to meet a Bitcoiner and, I don't know, you share a cab and then or an Uber or uh, and and then you go, hey, uh, let me pay you back. Oh, send me Bitcoin. I was like, oh, I do Bitcoin as well. So it's like this common language of value that globally is understood. You're right. It's... And man, those currency exchanges at airports are ripoffs. Right? Oh my God! When I went to when I went to Riga, when I went to Latvia, I got bent over. Oh no! You yeah. used them? I used I used no. the airport. I just had to. I forgot. I forgot yeah. to set it up with my bank before I got to They're the airport. Such traps. It's like it was a it was obscene. Yeah. Um, luckily, work expenses. Shout out by Salads. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they expensed it, but. Uh, no, um, oh, I was gonna segue to something else. Fuck, what was it? This uh, we're we're imbibing bullet bourbon right now. By the way, uh, Lightning Koala so specifically asked for American whiskey, and I gave you the run of the mill bourbon. It's a good bourbon. I'm I'm not a very um, good whiskey connoisseur. I, I like that single malt Yamazaki. Okay, one from Japan. Yeah, you know? I used to work at an izakaya in college, so I know a little bit about Japanese liquors. And oh wow, I should have asked for that. that. But this is really good, actually. Oh, thank you. Uh, I can't. I shouldn't say thank you. I should. Uh, I'll, I'll send the people from Bullet Bourbon your regards. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I about to say, though? It's uh, it's the thing when you were, I just recorded the the rabbit hole recap of Matt O'Dell too. We had a little bit of McAllen. Just so. now. Yeah, before yeah, I just posted it right before you came here. I want to meet Matt. Seems like a cool dude. Oh, we'll set that up this week. He's in town all week. Um, I like the the rabbit hole recap as well, and also you should do the um, uh, montage. 
Oh, the montage is coming next week. We're recording it next you week. Got the script ready? Yeah, I'm writing nice. it down. Um, you should include Satoshi's place. Oh, it'll be on there. It'll nice. be on there. It's going to be a good one. I'm trying to figure out the perfect background news for the montage right now. And think of what I was going to ask you. So we're talking about East, West. Oh, here's what it is. Um, you, t- you said, here's what it is. So you said that uh, Bitcoin, when you're traveling, it is this global language where you're like taking a cab with somebody. And it's like, oh, you pay me in Bitcoin. It's like, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a big proponent of Satoshi's over bits. Um, yeah. This is a big debate going on, or starting right now. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, an important debate in the long run. Yeah. And I think what Samurai, so Satoshi's versus bits, It's uh, there's a long going debate that's starting to heat up now that Bitcoin's at a level where people are like, oh, buy one Bitcoin, it's like $6,500. Like, that's way too much. And uh, to help with the UX of uh, the, the overwhelming public, the, yes, there's a bunch of unit yeah. bias. Um, a lot of people think that we should start <clears throat> treating Bitcoin as a unit of account in the digital world. One team that has started this is Samurai Wallet. They are officially not uh, allowing, <laughs> or they might be. They're allowed. not doing fiat? Yeah, they're not. they're not denominating anything in fiat it's all going to be denominating satoshi so there's a debate right now should we even put fiat in the wallets and then if we don't what is the nomenclature is it satoshis is it bits like how do we how do we talk about the denominations of bitcoin okay no fuck fiat so <laughs> props to samurai wallet those guys are legends uh I like Satoshi's, uh, I, although one of the things about bits that I also like is the fact that it's got those two decimal places. To me, it, it makes sense. It uh, fits into the mental model that people are used to. Because if you go down to Satoshi's, you can do millibits in Lightning, but it's probabilistic. It's not really, um, uh, well, it's not in the Bitcoin pro- protocol yet. Uh, so but at the same time, uh, I, I really like Satoshi's because it's almost an homage to Satoshi himself. Yeah. Um, I, and I would say, like, I have, I have an opinion on this. I don't like bits because it just gets too confusing with the typical, like, computer engineering mm. world, like, right. computer software world. Um, yeah, maybe. Sort of like Satoshi, Finney. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, so there'll be like so that's another interesting milli bits, right? Milli bits, yeah. There, there will need to be a whole new nomenclature for the denominating Bitcoin in smaller and smaller, uh, yeah, terms. And that's a that's an interesting and important uh, development on its road to becoming a a reserve currency of the world. Well, in Lightning, uh, I don't think I've seen bits mentioned anywhere. No. Yeah, so, it's all Satoshi's, right? Yeah, it's like the biggest, which is which is kind of hard to wrap your head around because sometimes you see oh, hundred thousand Satoshi's, uh, but I I think we just need one more bull run and then it's like okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it? It's a million Satoshi's is a Bitcoin. Right? It's a hundred million. Hundred million is Bitcoin. Yeah, it's off by two orders of magnitude. Eight zeros. Yeah. yeah. Um, that shows how much uh, Marty knows about uh, the denomination of Bitcoin. Don't worry, I, I only learned it this year. So. <laughs> Shameful disclaimer. <laughs> 100 million Satoshis is a Bitcoin. I was, yeah. uh, I was wrong there. Um, but yeah, that's developing as well. Yeah. Um, what else do we got here? How, how far are we in? Now we're in three in. Oh, I was going to mention um, the, what was it? Education stuff. I don't know why. I was going to mention that. Oh, because of unit bias. Like, uh, you know what grinds my gears? 
sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What grinds your gears, lightning quality? Unit bias. Um, <laughs> lack of education. Yeah. Lack of education. I have, I have a good anecdote about that. I, I heard, I was listening to um, your Alan Silbert uh, interview mm-hmm. this morning on The Path, the very New Yorker thing. Um, Are you staying in Hoboken? Uh, no, I'm staying in, in Jersey City. Jersey City. Okay. Best bagels, by the way, Wonder Bagels. Shout out to Wonder Bagels. You're going to find very good bagels in uh, Jersey City. Yeah. It's the water. It's the water up here. I hope you know that. Yeah, I need to work. So is it Jersey Shore? Is it actually Jersey City? Or no, no. Jersey Shore is a... Different thing. Yeah, and Jersey Shore has got, got a, a very wide range. It's the whole coast. Uh, so my family, yeah. I grew up in the South Jersey Shore, which is not at all like what you, what you see on MTV and what that show was. Uh, yeah. TV. But yeah, closer to the city, Seaside Heights, where that show was from. Uh, we're not too far from it, probably like 45 minutes away. Yeah, okay. I, I, uh, this is another thing, actually. Like, a lot of people always joke about Americans. Oh, they don't know where, like, Portugal is or something like that. But the, uh, you guys... Uh, I know where Portugal is. is. Yeah, it's just like, you guys have this amazing knowledge of, like, the American states. And, like, the other uh, when I was arriving the other day, uh, there was this woman sat next to me on, on the plane and she was going to Winnipeg because we stopped over in Toronto. She was going to Winnipeg to see polar bears. Pretty cool. But I was like, where the hell is Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing. But yeah, going back to the Allen's. You don't know your Canadian provinces? In, in cities? I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Alan Silbert thing was um, education about money and finance, which I also concur, it's fucking shocking. Uh, But I have another example. When I was growing up in in China, uh, where we spoke Portuguese, it's not easy to find out where it is. Uh, The Portuguese uh, educational system at the time, uh, and I'm not that old, but uh, it it was uh, mandatory to learn English and French because it was Prior to English, it was sort of like the lingua franca of, of the world. The romance languages. You know, yeah. yeah. And, like, why the fuck do you need to learn <laughs> French in China? <laughs> right? I'm, wait, wait. I'm very confused now because you said you were, you were in a Portuguese-speaking sector in China. Yeah, in Macau, French. basically. Okay. Yeah, okay. the gambling mecca of the world right now. Je ne comprends français. Oui, un peu. Un peu. But not very good. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Spanish, uh, French was like ridiculous. I can't speak Portuguese. I can say bom dia. That's about it. Bom dia? Bom dia. That's like a Brazilian accent. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's bon night now because it's evening. Okay. But I have a friend from, uh, I have a, a friend from Paraguay. Who speaks fluent Portuguese, and he's got a he's got a big uh, Bomgia. He's a big Bomgia fan. He does like inspirational uh, Instagram <laughs> posts where he just wakes up in the morning, just like Bomgia. <laughs> so I'm learning from a friend. Yeah, it's a cool language, um, and yeah, but French, what the fuck? And and so uh, the education side of finance, it, it, I think it stretches beyond that. <laughs> To like other stuff, like like this example of learning French when you're in China, when it's probably more useful to learn Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, and that's one thing I've been trying to wrap my head around more recently, especially when it comes to education around finance and economics and accounting mm-hmm. and personal finance in particular, is is it intentional to not teach people these things right. as they grow up so they're useful idiots? Is uh, it intentional? I don't know. Or is yeah, it just, exactly, because you think, like, as soon as you know these core concepts, you can make more educated decisions, I feel like if you do not know these core concepts of what money is, how, how finance works, how loans work, uh, the decisions you make based off that uh, lack of knowledge uh, really sets you back. Where What's that razor thing? Hanlon razor, is it? Hanlon's razor. Is yeah. it like benefit of the doubt sort of thing? Yeah, uh, nothing's ever malicious. No, Nothing's ever right. done with malicious intent. It's yeah. more ignorance. So, so is that the case? Like, because do they understand it themselves? <laughs> right? Like, uh, CFD, CFDs and stuff like the, all those weird financial instruments that they made up uh, running up to, to the mortgage-backed securities the credit default swaps right just uh, fancy names for for stuff I, I just feel like maybe they they lose themselves in the definitions and they just don't understand it anymore and then nobody can actually teach it maybe I don't know benefit of the doubt uh, I'm not going to give that benefit of the doubt. I will say that uh, it got to the point where mortgage-backed securities and credit default swaps, which are basically insurance policies on the mortgage-backed securities, right. were enabled because uh, Wall Street discovered that the creation of financial products led to fees. Like that's that's right. what people have to realize. The intermediary, exactly. Thing. The intermediary. Uh, incentive to intermediate got so strong that yeah. Wall Street basically created products to take a take a vig off of every little transaction that happened, and that led to some crazy uh, imbalances in our our economy, our global economy, that led to the led to the crash. And yeah. I don't think they've gotten any better since a decade ago. This year has been pretty um, intense. Regarding to like institutions, institutional investors coming into the space and so what's your take on that? It's been the big meme. It's been the big. I don't. I uh, actually said this last week when Fidelity announced that they're mm-hmm. uh, they they've solved custody for institutional. Um, they solved custody for institutional clients and uh, Novogratz from Galaxy. Uh, I, th- I actually really liked what he said where he said it's going to be a trickle, not a flood into this space, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These products are going to be created and the institutional money uh, has a lot of money at stake, so they're going to be very cautious and approach this this sector in particular with, with uh, an amount of caution where it's not going to be a flood of money at once. It'll be, all right, let's test this out. It works. It's doing what we're doing and okay, we'll add a little more, we'll add a little more, yeah. <clears throat> eventually become a flood, but not at the onset. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I think the engineering challenge of building good custody solutions, like what Kazo's doing, but uh, also generally this, this idea that um, you can work on custody solutions for institution, institutional investors and stuff, it's, it's interesting. Um, I just don't know how... how how it will affect Bitcoin, basically. Like, is it... Yeah. yeah. No, that'll be interesting to see. And then that's um, another interesting debate that's starting right now. It's like, a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are Bitcoiners, but you're letting all these institutions come in and and they're going to take over. But it's like, it's inevitable 
if Bitcoin is successful, it's not like you can just like hold back, like hold your arms out and stop Wall Street from participating. Like if it yeah. is, a, like that actually a good, might be a good sign that yeah. they are trying to participate, that it is worth participating in. And you can, I would argue that you can maintain the decentralized, independent, uh, self-sovereign ethos of Bitcoin while allowing Wall Street to come in. They can do what they want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold my bitcoins or my money in their products that are yeah. related to Bitcoin. But if people want to do that, and that's how they're comfortable with it, good for them. Well, because the, the ar- argument then is like the whole gold thing, right? Like how central banks did like captured like most of the world's gold, and then and then you know like if a situation like that happens with Bitcoin, obviously it's it's different. But uh, yeah, just in the interest of of uh, studying that that possibility like if, no. it's a, if it's an issue no that's definitely something to to, to think about in the long term but I don't think it'll be like the options so the scenario in which I see it getting as bad as gold is there if there's ever conditions where um, where you can't pull your Bitcoin off an exchange so like I would only right. recommend buying Bitcoin at a place where you can like take it out of that custody solution and put it into your own wallet. Like on demand. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I think the market will just, in the game theory, will work itself out where it's like, if you're not offering yeah. the ability to withdraw your Bitcoin into a personal wallet, then I'm not going to use a product like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on a small scale, that's kind of some of the conclusion that I was, I was coming to with the, the lightning game sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you can go into their custody for the time that you need to, but the key key here is that you can come in and out like instantly and on demand. Yeah, whenever you want to. Yeah, and it's a it's a growing and learning experience for people to become comfortable with this because it is a new model of people have never yeah. been able to do this. Like, yeah, people have had the ability and uh, to have their bank accounts frozen at any time, but uh, with Bitcoin, if you have the ability to withdraw it and have it in your full custody at any time, that's sort of new. Yeah. Well, this is actually one of the, on one of my slides, I'm like, okay, why Lightning Games? And one of the reasons I, I state is because it's a younger audience usually that games are targeted to. And I think we need to think of this in terms of generations. And that younger audience is the one that's like uh, most likely to adopt this new technology because, you know, they can pick up things quicker. But also, it's going to be the whole, like, uh, Andreas talks about this a lot, like the whole, um, you know, a uh, kid who like goes and like he can't open a bank account, but then like when he when he finally reaches the age where he can open a bank account, it's like, oh, you need uh, I need, I need, I need your to go ID. to a branch. Yeah, I need to go to a branch. We're only open five days a week, and you have to pay all these fees. And by that time, he's like, well, I've already been using Bitcoin and Lightning, and I've been playing these games with my friends, and we've exchanging value, and this is. Why do I need this? That'll be unconscionable. <laughs> yeah. So that's what. Remember, wasn't Minecraft experimenting with Bitcoin at some point? Where? Mm, uh, so there was. There's a, a guy called Constantine um, mm-hmm. who wrote this uh, Unity plugin. Unity is uh, an engine for making games, uh, and uh, it's actually what Fortnite is built with. Um, really? Yeah. And it's uh, free and you can make 3D games on it and, and stuff. And he made a plugin so that you can 
um, render uh, uh, lightning invoices and stuff in game. And uh, I'm not sure actually if this is related to Unity, but um, it's he he made a, a demo where uh, he had a Minecraft game and you could like render a QR code and then I don't know like for instance you can buy like a teleport to another location in the map okay. or you know things like that he actually uh, in Lisbon he showed me another really cool example which was Unity has this um, a sort of template demo for when you first start developing it it's like a tank battle game mm-hmm. um, it's just so you can start getting your hands dirty with the, with the engine and he created this way for you to basically... So, so he handed me this Nintendo Switch controller, and we both started playing this tank game. And at some point, he like renders this QR code on screen, and he, he goes, oh, check this out. He scans it, pays it, and it triggers a power-up on my tank. So I got this shield, and I can just... Yeah, so this is really cool, because um, it... it Again, applications of lightning game, lightning in the context of games. That's uh, really cool. Yeah, and and there's this whole phenomenon of like uh, Twitch streamers mm-hmm. who, um, yeah, yeah, they get donations as well, and and apparently there's like some gambling and stuff as well. But you can imagine a situation where you're you as a spectator are watching this game, uh, and you can participate in it and and interact and support your team or or you know interfere in some way. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's worth mentioning. <sighs> We're getting to such weird places as a society. We're like watching people game online and, and sending money to help them out while they're playing that and game. Did you know, like in August, uh, there's this Dota 2 competition. It's a, it's a game like League of Legends. Uh, you know, like Star, StarCraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, real-time uh, strategy game. I was in, a big StarCraft guy back in the day. Yeah, me too. For number one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in August, they held uh, the annual tournament called the International. And uh, the grand prize was $11 million. What? For a team of five kids, essentially. Taking home two. Uh, yeah. Two yeah. point two mil piece. Yeah, I was watching. Like, <laughs> I was looking at the Instagram of this kid who's like visiting this museum for Red Bull uh, Formula One cars. It's like, should I? Sort of like uh, nonchalantly. Suge- like, yeah, should I like suggesting like should I spend it on it? And but actually, they seem really cool. And and um, yeah, but this is how big esports has gotten to, and um, e gaming has gotten to. Yeah. Oh, it's getting to. It's getting to a weird place. Like uh, Twitch in particular, uh, I've been following that via Barstool, a company I used to work for. Like, they're a sports comedy brand and mm. like a satire brand, but uh, a couple of their personalities have built out like a Twitch channel and it's gotten like crazy traction. Like, people will sit there and watch other people play video games for, for quite a while. Yeah. And they'll interact with them. It's so cool. Like, um, this, this kind of transition from like real world sports to to digital gaming like that's what i need to get back into gaming uh i haven't had a system in five years i got yeah. rid of them yeah i'm uh, sorry i got rid of my gaming systems i haven't had one in five years but like pc uh like xbox i was an xbox yeah. guy yeah I, i'm mostly like a casual gamer yeah. I mean, like there's this phenomenon of like io games i don't know if you've heard of them no the um, this 19-year-old Brazilian kid made a, made a game called Agar EO, 
there's like gar.io and it's a browser-based game uh, and it's characterized by sim simple graphics, simple mechanics and very uh, addicting sort of accessible uh, gameplay. So you just like, uh, you know, pretty much anybody with a computer or browser can access it, hop into a game, start playing and it was eventually featured on House of Cards. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't actually watch the scene, but I think it was like Kevin Spacey uh, alluding to like uh, U.S. politics, politics, and showing how this game sort of represented the mechanics of like dog eat dog stuff. And actually, the the probably before that, the game got famous because uh, there was like an election in Turkey, and people were like voicing their opinions the on the game. game. Um, but it's by all means considered like a casual kind of game and and i think this is also again a target for like lightning network games it's like aim for these experiences like uh obviously there's there's games that aim for realism but um that's not necessarily the recipe for success uh yeah there are a lot of like indie games out there that are massively successful um and don't necessarily have the am most amazing graphics ever but they have this amazing gameplay and yeah, yeah. I, something like crazy birds or whatever uh hungry what was it crazy angry birds that's what it was yeah um, one, yeah yeah and then like something like craigslist which is like html css is like one of the most successful <laughs> uh, apps in the world it's got the shittiest design in the world it's just yeah. pure html css but hacker news is all yeah yeah that's what uh if the content you're providing is good uh people will flock to it yeah exactly one one really good example I like is a game called Hotline Miami. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's again it's an indie game, uh, just became massively uh, successful, and it's just like the idea of these like two guys and um, they polished the game and eventually like made this this really cool thing. Um, it, it's almost funny because I almost think like we're gonna reach the point eventually where we're gonna be like in a VR situation, like in a virtual world playing some kind of like game like this it's the it's simplified graphics right so uh, similar to like how netflix has that thing where you're in a fake uh theater watching a movie right mm -hmm. uh i i would wager a bet that we'll we'll end up in a situation where we're in virtual reality a fake stadium watching like someone. snake on a nokia <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Are we going to have a Ready Ready Player One world at some point, do you think? Uh, probably, yeah. So I was talking about this with Matt Adele last week where... So there was a cryptocurrency, again, talking about patience, and we're not going to get everything out of the box, but it will come eventually. There was a cryptocurrency back in the day, like 2013, 2014, Geo, where they would like uh, geographically drop, they would airdrop uh, some of the supply of their coin in areas, and you go on a treasure hunt... And go to like physical areas on a map and yeah and uh yeah. use a qr code in vr to to acquire the coins like in a v virtual reality world like this could be enabled with bitcoin correct like where you can like in a vr world you can hypothetically enable like lightning transactions via qr codes maybe um yeah again the the sort of authoritative authoritative server architecture needs to come into play here because basically if you imagine like, yeah, you put some QR code in a location in a map, right? Mm -hmm. You can't reveal that location beforehand, right? Uh, so you can't necessarily serve the game to the user 
where he can maybe like reverse engineer it or something like that and figure out where it is, it mm -hmm. would have to be more of a interactive experience where he uh, he's getting a constant feed back and forth. Yeah, yeah, like you take in their trigger for motion. Things are getting revealed in real time. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, you reminded me of Pokemon Go. Like I thought, people yeah. didn't play that anymore. But in New York City, like yesterday, there was loads of people out in random squares, like playing this game still. Yeah, it's still happening around here. It's annoying at some points, but yeah. I got a. I yell at the Pokemon Goers now. I'm like, hey, you're what? You're way past. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kidding. I'm not I'm not gonna yell at any Pokemon. You Pokemon goers. maximalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> um we're almost we're almost an hour and a half in here. Um what uh I guess I don't know what else I want to pick your brain about. Uh what are you most excited about for lightning, for Bitcoin in general, for life in general, outside of Bitcoin? Uh oh, I'm getting married next year. That's the most exciting thing. Congratulations. I did a lot of proof of work with the church recently. <laughs> she had to do one of those days where you sit there for eight hours. And uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Italian uh, like Catholic church system works in, in interesting ways. Uh, we had to basically go in this like church in the mountains and like spend the day there with family. It was really wonderful, but I was really worried because I had to, uh, we had to like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, get certified. I don't know. Like, there was a priest in front of us, and he had to, like... I know what it's like. Yeah. I'm an Irish Catholic. Uh, I decided to forego all the traditional Catholic... You, uh, didn't, you didn't have a church wedding? No, I did not. Uh, I eloped, but... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, but I know I know the process you went through. It's really interesting, because... Uh, sorry, going off on a tangent now. Uh, you know, like, when, when we talk about proof of work, uh, and... Somebody, I think it was Andreas once made an analogy of like the pyramids and how, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at them, it's like, shit, those guys were badass and they did that. And you know that they did that because that stuff is so far, so fucking hard to even pull apart, never mind make it, right? Um, I see that a lot with, with the church, uh, mm -hmm. especially in Italy, right? And even like uh, we went to a bunch of weddings this year and we were in Venice and the whole city is like made to last. It's like fucking amazing. And, and you watch these, these buildings with these frescoes that have been around for centuries. And it's like, wow, like shit isn't made like that anymore nowadays, you know? Right. Uh, the oldest thing you find in America is like 300 years old. If that. Yeah. Like, well, you got some really cool, yeah, there's a really cool cathedral here in, uh, or church in New York. Uh, I can't remember the name now, but in front of Rockefeller, mm -hmm. we, we yeah. went in, it's amazing, actually. It was really nice. nice but yeah, when I'm when I'm looking at stuff like that, like I will, I always think of it in that sense. You know, it's like all this effort uh, and the amount of work that was put into creating these um, monuments and um, and the culture around it that uh, still prevails today. I feel like proof of work is, in a sense, gonna uh, uh, be similar in the. Far distant future, in the sense that wow, those guys like mine those blocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just just imparting that view of the world into the digital world. Yeah, which, and that's like the one thing. Another thing that's become more and more uh, prominent in my mind is that proof of work is the connection between the physical and digital. Oh world. yeah, 
yeah. which is beautiful yeah. like, if you think about it um, definitely it's like the the yeah through through energy the most fundamental units of the universe right yeah and that's where it gets weird like are we in a simulation are we discovering ourselves right now like are we is bitcoin like going to lead us <laughs> to something very that we may not want to know i don't know yeah i i i'm an optimist in that sense i'm a very i'm very optimistic as well because um I'm not, I don't want to say that we, we have a bad... Like, in Portugal, for instance, like, things are good. Uh, there's nothing necessarily bad about... I mean, in fact, Portugal's amazing. You should go visit in Portugal, for sure. Uh, but it's a very socialist system. And you see things that disrupt society, like Airbnb, like mm-hmm. Uber and stuff. And then you, you see, like, all this, oh, da, 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 we must regulate it and stuff. And then... Yeah, I, I I see like Bitcoin might it is going to be like very disruptive for those for those kind of places um, and enabling maybe, but um, yeah. Sorry, I was saying about the church, <laughs> so I had to memorize this stuff to say, and I didn't have that much time and ended up memorizing like this one thing and it, somehow it was the <laughs> exact one that they like asked the sort of like we had to to say and. Yeah, it was a cool experience. Um, but Italy is another country that's suffering a lot from um, sort of the state control. Uh, it, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur in, in Italy, especially in the South. And you really see that. And and so when I think about Bitcoin, I think about like what it's going to fix and solve. It's those kind of things. It's yeah. like helping the lives of those people that are like, having to move away from their their um, hometowns because there's no work because everything's so corrupt and and doesn't um function uh yeah I, I, my optimism is that bitcoin actually will fix that um yeah and i think and i think it's one thing i've been trying to like caution like bitcoin will give people a tool to fix that i think bitcoin is just it's not going to be the panacea but it is a very effective and very powerful tool where like the amount of leverage that you get because of it is such that the the uh power that it gives you is orders of magnitude better than anything you've ever experienced up to this point but bitcoin will just help us realize uh that if we have a stable base of a monetary system from which to, to operate, we can do some pretty creative and pretty crazy things in an open global economy. Yeah. And we have like a stable, uh, um, sort of store of value, I guess. Um, it's like the, one of the ways I described it to a friend of mine was like, uh, Bitcoin is a thing that makes you not have to get up from your couch not in a way that like it makes you lazy but in the sense that with fiat you have to go and look for sources to beat uh um depreciation Mm -hmm. right yeah and so you were forced to to go find yield to go find yield to to find risk and and so forth and bitcoin is the inverse of that bitcoin is the thing that lets you park your money because you can focus on the longer term project or the longer term target. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Saifedean p- 
puts it like really well in, in his book I, and I really agree with that stuff yeah and that's why I I think we should keep Bitcoin as slow dumb and uh, simple yeah. at the protocol level because all you need is that certainty that you know that Bitcoin is going to produce a block every 10 minutes with a certain block reward uh, with yeah. a certain set of consensus rules and all you need to do is have that happen and then you can base a lot of decisions off of that yeah um, we've ripped it here hour and a half you got anything any parting notes for the freaks um, get involved uh, run your own node and uh, hodl look for cool ways to, to spend bitcoin actually bitcoiners are like awesome in terms of uh, you know buying stuff actually like you know you see this with like stickers and, and things like that. So uh, if you are looking for ways to um, uh, make some money, I guess, it's like come up with something that touches on Bit Bitcoin culture, uh, Bitcoin memes, whatever, yeah. and, and make something and, and sell it to people. Uh, it doesn't even have to be uh, something like that. It can even be like selling wine or... Or maybe you make hummus or, or whatever. Just like offer your product at, for sale uh, for Bitcoin, ship it internationally, whatever. And you will find people that want to uh, spend their Bitcoin on that. Yeah. yeah. With that being said, uh, hey, advertisers out there, we accept Bitcoin payments. So if you're, uh, you're looking to advertise and you're willing to pay in Bitcoin, we folks here at Tales from the Crypt are totally open to your investment. As long eh, you will be vetted. You will be vetted uh, <laughs> to an, a certain extent. Um, Lightning Koala, it's been a pleasure. This is the first time we ever met. It's a great conversation. Cheers, Marty. It was amazing being here. <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. Uh, to you freaks out there, peace and love. Bye, freaks. Pew!